I'll be reading from the letter 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 12. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that they accuse you of doing wrong, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jason. I'm married to Paula. We have three boys, 17, 15, and 11. Very energetic at our house with all the lads. Welcome, everyone, in person. To people online, we want to say it's great you can join in as well this morning as we hear about God's work amongst sailors, which was fantastic, wasn't it? Now, before we start, love to pray for us. Pray that God works in us as his people. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this opportunity to pause in this week and to stop and to look to you. So pray you'll calm our hearts before you. Make us ready to hear about who you are and how we can be your people and express that in this year to come. Father, we pray that you'll lift us up, that you'll show us yourself in powerful ways. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A group of Venezuelan migrants are walking on a road. Some had been walking for 18 days, crossing into Colombia. The next leg of their walk will be up into the mountains, going up to 12,000 feet. Really cold weather. They've got older people, 
children below six months old. This is what happens when you don't have enough money to look for your family. You go somewhere else to try and find a way to support them. Now, they are normal parents trying to care for their family, just loving them and their forgotten people. And as they pass by groups of people in the towns, they walk through. Some people help them and give them food. Other people reject them. Other people look away as if they don't exist. And they walk forward, hoping for better days ahead as they walk each step. Now, the people scattered throughout Asia, the recipients of one Peter, they were hoping for better days ahead as well. But even for Jesus, there were some tough days for him, wasn't there? See, in this passage, we see a theme. It's rejected by people. And Jesus himself was rejected. This passage talks about Jesus being a stone, a rock. It says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, verse 4. Or in verse 7, the stone the builders rejected. Talking about, God's pe- talking about the religious people of that time rejected the stone. Or he's a stone that causes people to stumble, a rock that they fall over and misunderstand. Jesus was rejected. And he told the disciples about this, didn't he? He told them this is what is going to happen in the future. Luke 9, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So for us, as we look to Easter, as we look to Good Friday, we remember what Jesus went through, the cornerstone. He was rejected by people. In our last series in the book of Daniel, Daniel was definitely rejected, wasn't he? People conspired to kill him, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. A trap was set for both of those, wasn't it? They were hated by the administrators, thrown into a furnace. Jesus was rejected. Daniel was rejected. And if you follow Jesus, you will be rejected. It's a common experience for the people of God to have this rejection. There'll be people who say, you know, you're arrogant. How can you believe this? You're brainwashed. And they'll be the direct ones that they say to you, but the other, other times it will be quiet. People will ignore you, pretend like you are not there and cut you off. And this is the hard call from Jesus, isn't it? That we will suffer and be rejected like he suffered and was rejected. Now that's one experience of the people of God. People who trust in Jesus and follow him. But there is another experience for God's people. For the people scattered believers back then that Peter was writing to, he tells them they're chosen and blessed by God. Verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. So they're chosen. They're priests with access to God. They're holy. They're set apart as God's people and special possession You know, they're treasured and valued by God. Verse 10 talks about how they were not a people, but now they are the people of God. They didn't experience the mercy, but then they knew that mercy. So for those scattered believers back then, Peter shares this list of all the blessings that they have from God, just all these blessings. They are chosen and they are blessed. And Jesus, the cornerstone, was chosen. 
Verse 6 says, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious stone. You know, when you're making a building, or back in those days, they have this first piece that they put down, this first rock that's going to shape the building that they're about to build. Everything, the line will go out from this stone and it'll be built up. And isn't it great, like in a passage that talks about God's people being a building, it talks about Jesus as being the cornerstone of that building. He is chosen by God. He's chosen as God's person and he's called also a living stone. Most of the stones I see don't talk back to me when I'm working out. They're not living stones. They seem dead stones. This is Jesus, a living stone. That's because he is this foundation who rises to life and he's alive to be the foundation for God's people. Jesus was chosen. And we see in Daniel, Daniel was chosen too, wasn't he? He was God's person in Babylon to be a light there. God gave him gifts to interpret dreams, didn't he? And when he was in trouble, God reached out his hand and delivered him. God chose Daniel. And we come forward now to us, for us now, it's 2021 right here. For those who trust the cornerstone, God has chosen to shower his blessings on you, a chosen people. A royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special possession. That's our experience. This is what we have, the blessings that we have in God. So who are we? How would you define who we are? You know, as individuals, as a church, who are we? We might think about the outside, you know. I'm 45, Scottish Australian, born in Wollongong, bald, handsomely bored, or maybe bored made me handsome, one of these two, maybe the outside. Different cultures identify people based on various criteria. Now, in India, they have a caste system, and in that system, they assign a position for a family within society. So the top caste, they have privilege and honour and opportunity, the bottom classes, the street sweepers, are left out. And they can't change their caste. I was reading an article recently about some Indian people who moved to Australia, made Australia their home. And so they're far away from India. They've been here a long, long time. And in, they shared about their experience of the caste system. They would have thought they're, they're leaving that system behind when they come to Australia. But every now and then they talked about how it pops up in their lives. And one person wrote how they, like they're a successful business person, they've got millions of dollars, like in Australia, things have gone really well in Australia. But then when, when they chose a person to marry and then met the parents, that person's parents, the parents saw that this person was from a different caste. And they pressured them not to marry because they were different people. Like in Australia's terms, they say, oh, they're so successful. Like, you should marry that person. That's a rich person. But the caste system followed them. The caste defined where they fit into society. Who are we? Are we just defined by the caste? Well, say in Australia, maybe based on our success, you know, who we are is based on where you live, the car you drive, the job you have, the wage that you receive. Who are we? Are we just our outward appearance? 
Are we just what some system calls us to be? Now, we meet today in a church. We meet here because we want to see what does God think? How does God see this topic? How does God picture who we are? How does God picture who you are? And we see this answer in this passage. It, says, it tells us that we are loved and chosen, that we are members of God's family, of his people, that we have access to God, that we can know God, that we're special and treasured in God's eyes, built up into the family of God. We are amazingly blessed, aren't we? Amazingly blessed. You know, at times we're rejected by people. What does, what does this passage say? Yeah, rejected by people, chosen by God, isn't it? Maybe being rejected by people in society, we are chosen by God and carried by him. Now, we are rejected at times, we're chosen by God, and we're chosen to do something. And this comes up uh, in this passage, it's written to exiles and foreigners, Verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. So for us, the picture is our home is not, you know, Illawarra. Our home is heaven. We're passing through this place and we're like refugees on the road longing for a better place for our home. And while we're here in that space, it says, abstain from from sinful desires which war against your soul. So God dishonoring, God rejecting, world chasing desires, abstain, stop those things, hold them back. And instead, live such good lives, such holy lives, like, you know, in 1 Peter 1, be holy because I'm holy, like the holy God we follow. Abstain from that thing, replace it with this other good thing. And the rest of the book is going to give examples of ways that we can do this, how we can live such good lives in the community. So I want to encourage you, come back next week and see what examples come up next week as we think about how we can live such good lives now. Because to do that will fulfill verse 5. To, do, to live these good lives will fulfill this, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So offering our good words and our good actions that are acceptable and pleasing to God. This is our worship of our Lord. Now see the play on one of these themes here. Do you want to be accepted by people or accepted by God? And as we live these good lives, we can be accepted by God. And we do all this replacing You know, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now that reminds me of Daniel. He's accused of doing wrong. And they threw him in the lion's den. God rescues him. And remember what happened to the king? How the the king responded to this great miracle. What did he do? He called on everyone to worship the God of Daniel who saves. Remember that? That's awesome, isn't it? So this foreign, unbelieving king saw God's goodness and saw the faithful, servant-hearted Daniel and worshipped God. So live such good lives so people will see your good deeds. And in our community, 
Sometimes we might be rejected and accused of things. We might be misunderstood. But some people, they're going to see you. And they're going to see us as a community. And they're going to see a love there. And they're going to say, I want to know about that God of love. And those people seeing this will trust in Jesus. And they'll be rescued. And that will give glory to God, won't it? Live such good lives for the glory of God. Today we had John sharing, which was just fantastic. Thank you, John, for being here and uh, sharing about your ministry. Isn't it wonderful to see, yeah, hear those stories about serving the sailors coming off these ships and wow, such big groups of people to give them a safe place, to support them, to be practically caring for them and sharing the wonderful news of Jesus. Like it, John's even acknowledged in the community, in our community, for this uh, generous life. And, you know, that's John's journey. That's for where God put him to serve the people that God put in front of him. And, you know, for all of us in the circles God has put you and as God has put me in the circles he has placed us, live such good lives so people can see the love and the power of God. Now, there are many ways... This, uh, this passage can touch our lives and t- yeah, take our thoughts and uh, engage with us as we live for Jesus in this community. Well, one of them is this. People don't think like you in post-Christian Australia. So talking about these exiles, foreigners, we do not live in a Christianized Australia anymore. You know, 70 years ago, yes. But right now we live in post-Christian Australia. So in that setting, we can't expect people to agree with our ideas. We shouldn't be surprised if people have other views that are different to us. Because, you know, the ways of heaven seem strange in Australia, don't they? The ways of God, the way he sees things and works, that seems strange. So we don't want to expect people to think like us. We don't want to be surprised when people think differently to us. To keep following this on. The hot topics change, but the call remains the same. So right now, one of the hot topics in the community is sexuality, and there's lots of very passionate ideas and thoughts on sexuality and how we should see that. You know, every generation experiences different hot topics. You know, maybe in the past it's like, there is no truth, just truth for you, and this lingers on to today, doesn't it? or God is dead, or whatever it is, each generation, or science is solution, or rationalism is solution, and it's like these are the hot topics, things that are trusted, things that are believed in these hot topics, they're always going to change, and the next generation, they'll have a different topic, but you know what, the, God's call for us remains the same, to live such good lives. The, de- the topic for debate might change, but God's call for us is the same. Live such good lives. To expand on this a bit more, like the battle is not so much our debates, but in our hearts and lives. So at times we might like read a book about some topic, do some research, think about how we'll debate something, how would we defend our positions. You know, there's times to do that and it's healthy and good to do that. So and at times we can spend many hours preparing and getting ready these thoughts, but there are times we should spend more hours focusing 
on our hearts. Now, because there's times when the battle is not defending something, the battle is to live such good lives for Jesus. So when you see an interview pushing some agenda on the TV, some radio spot, a message coming out of a movie that you've just watched, and, and these emotions start coming up in you and you start feeling very passionate. So I need to correct this thing. That is wrong. I need to correct that. This idea, it can't be happening. But in that heightened time of emotion, the real battle is in our hearts, isn't it? The battle is in our hearts to see that if we will be humble, whether we respect people, whether we will speak well and speak with love. Oh, that is a battle for our hearts, isn't it? May the battle in our hearts be acceptable to God, who we love and live for. Now, another topic flowing from this passage about rejection. Rejection does not define us. Now, maybe for you, you've experienced some significant rejection in your life. Something that's happened that's really impacted you deeply. Maybe a broken relationship with one of your children. Maybe you've been divorced. Perhaps there's times when, even though it happened long ago, it just keeps rising up like it defines you. Maybe you've been rejected out of study or a job or your family. And that experience you have is difficult and those emotions are real. But that rejection or regret is not what defines who you are. See, in this passage comes the voice of God. Into that grief and trouble comes the voice of God to say, you are my special one. I chose you. I love you. And the rejection might linger in your mind and in your heart at times. It might make you cautious and make you hold back from things. But rejection by people does not define you. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood a holy nation, God's special possession. And that is what defines you. That is what defines you. So take that rejection and give that to God. And in this process, which might be long, and as you bring it to God, and in the power of the Spirit, know who you are as you step forward for God. And this is so important because knowing our identity in Jesus unlocks uh, security who, in who God has made us to be. It frees us to live out of a healthy space. We live out of a healthy space, space with Jesus as our cornerstone to honour our God. So knowing our identity in Jesus frees us to live out of a healthy space with Jesus as our cornerstone and honouring God. Now, when we're rejected in the past, or maybe we're rejected because we follow Jesus, this can help us, can't it? Because we can, this thing cannot be stolen. There's something that cannot be taken away, who God has made us to be and who we are. Now, we talk about this living for God. And, you know, doing all these things doesn't save us. It doesn't give us... Uh, place in heaven because we did enough tick box good things. It's only Jesus, our cornerstone, who rescues us and gives us life. 
so we can honour our God. Now, I just want to finish with this, a very short summary of uh, where we've gone in this passage. Now, as exiles on the road to heaven, we're rejected by people, but chosen by God. And our response is to live such good lives so that people will praise the God that you serve. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the cornerstone, that he's the foundation for us as a church, as a people, and all that we are in you, Lord. And Father, we pray that you'll strengthen us, strengthen us as we reflect on this. Help us to know deeply who you've made us to be and how you see us, Lord. And Lord, we pray for people who've experienced rejection. We pray that you come and bring healing and speak into their hearts of your care and who they are before you. So Father, as a church, strengthen us to step forward in your strength by the power of your spirit to live such good lives and honour you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.